Good morning, church. It's just wonderful to see so many of you here this morning, and uh, just a great blessing uh, to be back uh, in the building. Um, I just looked out and saw Sophie, and Sophie graduated high school this week, and so... What a blessing. What a blessing. I know you didn't get to have the graduation celebration you might like to have with the walk, but uh, still uh, a major milestone, so congratulations. Well, uh, this morning uh, we're, we're going rogue. We're going off script. Uh, you can just chuck your bulletin and my outline in it. Uh, sometimes the Holy Spirit speaks late, and uh, he spoke late this morning, very early actually, and so uh, you know, I've been thinking about what's been going on in our country the past, uh, you know, 48, 72 hours, and, uh, you know, I don't often preach about current events. Uh, normally we stick very much uh, to where we are in the text, but I just feel like we are, we have to talk about this in the church, because if we don't talk about this in the church, uh, and if it's not going to start in the church, uh, where is it going to start, and who is going to talk about these things if we're not talking about uh, racism and, and, and these kinds of things in the church. We have to talk about these things. And so, of course, uh, there's uh, a lot that's been going on over the past several days, and, and we'll get into it, but uh, we need to ask the Lord for help with this one and uh, pray that he guard my tongue. Uh, I normally prepare for 30 hours or so for a sermon, and uh, this week, maybe two. So we'll see what happens. Uh, so let's ask the Lord for help. Uh, Lord God, uh, we do thank you uh, for this opportunity to be together and Lord, uh, I pray that uh, as a nation and as a church that, that we are, are touched and hurt by what we're seeing this week, just like we're sure that your heart is hurt by what you're seeing this week, Lord. And Lord, we want to be part of the solution. We don't want to be part of the problem. Lord, uh, help us to love your people, every one of your people, like you love your people, Lord. Lord, protect my tongue. Please give me the ability to speak your words with your love, with your voice, Lord, with compassion, with empathy. Lord, if I say anything that is offensive, please wash it away. I pray not to. Lord, I pray for reconciliation in this country, and I pray that your word would be its instrument. I pray these things, Lord, in Christ's name. Amen. Well, uh, of course, what has prompted this is what we have seen uh, during this past week. Uh, we saw, uh, the whole world saw, the, the video of uh, George Floyd, who was killed uh, in Minneapolis. Uh, and uh, he was, ne his neck was knelt down for uh, over eight minutes by a, a white police officer. Uh, and he was asking uh, to be let up because he couldn't breathe. Uh, and then he subsequently died. Now, uh, I'm not the judge, I'm not the jury, I'm not gonna stand uh, and, and you know, make determinations legally about uh, what happened, but I know what I saw, and I know it didn't look good, uh, and the courts will have to sort out the rest of it. And of course, this comes recently on the heels of this most recent episode that we saw with uh, Ahmad Orbury of uh, Georgia, uh, where he was taking a jog through his neighborhood and he was stopped by uh, a couple of white men uh, who said that they wanted to question him, uh, and uh, Mr. Aubrey ended up shot and dead. And so <clears throat> this most recent uh, thing that we've seen this past week, has, uh, if you've watched the news for even a second, you've seen uh, that there have been riots in cities all over our country, starting in Minneapolis, spreading to New York and Los Angeles and Seattle, uh, 
Atlanta. Uh, we're seeing it all over the country, and uh, it, it's a response uh, to, to what has happened over these past few weeks. And so uh, I just want us to talk about it. I want to get it out there. Uh, we we want to talk about what, uh, what God believes about races, how God feels about his people. And I just I think about it, uh, you know, from the perspective of the parent of, uh, you know, a white child, uh, white children. When, when, when we tell our kids, you know, they're, they're, they're driving cars and, and we tell them, you know, if you're stopped by an officer, all you need to do is just put your hands on the wheel, be very respectful, whether if you believe you're 100% in the right, it doesn't matter. You be respectful. That man has been put in authority by God. He has authority over you. And um, uh, if you disagree with, with the ticket that you got or whatever, we'll, we'll let the courts sort that out. But you be respectful to that man. Now, uh, if you are the parent of an African-American child, it may be completely different because, uh, and I'm not saying that, you know, all cops are racist, please don't hear me say that. There are, there's a bad apple or two, and of course those are the ones who get the press, but, but sometimes when that happens, uh, you get the wrong driver with the wrong police officer, and that, that young man can end up dead. And, and so how do you, as a parent, talk to your children about how you address uh, the officer when there is a very real danger sometimes that that, that could happen. So uh, these are the kinds of things that, that are happening in the world. And uh, the idea that this happens in our country now, uh, still after all these years, is really, uh, it's hard to believe that it happens. And yet it does happen all over the place. And so uh, we need to have uh, the problem uh, Acknowledged. We have to acknowledge that there is a problem, and we as the church have to decide that we are going to be part of the solution, and we are not going to be part of the problem. And so, as Mike read a minute ago, uh, this is Pentecost Sunday, and, and the Holy Spirit came, and we celebrate that day. The Holy Spirit is the birth of the church, and when the Holy Spirit came, do you remember how surprised the Jews of Jerusalem were when the people who were around, they were they, were, they had been displaced. They were, they were from the diaspora, we would say, from the dispersed nations. Uh, they had been gone from Israel uh, for so long that they didn't speak uh, Hebrew or uh, Aramaic any longer. They spoke their own tongues. And so when the Holy Spirit came, they were all speaking the same language. And that tells us something about how God feels about the unity of the church and how the gospel uh, is for everyone. And that's the first thing that I want us to understand this morning, is that the gospel is for everyone. So uh, Mike read a little bit from Acts 2, and I just want to pick up uh, where he left off, uh, where it says that how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the districts of Libya around Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. Proselytes are converts to Judaism, Gentiles who became Jews. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to another, one another, what does this mean? And then Peter goes on to tell them what it means. This is the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, the Jews were surprised that Jews of other nations were able to hear and speak in that language. And so uh, we, we see the door opening. Uh, the gospel is for everyone, but as of now, they only understood that it was for Jews. But they were surprised that it was from Jews of other nations. Well, it's for Jews of other nations, and it's for people even beyond that, because as we move on 
in the book of Acts, we come to uh, Acts chapter 8, and we see the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. <clears throat> now, uh, Ethiopia is well to the south. It's in Africa, uh, and the people of Ethiopia were dark-skinned. They were not white-skinned, light-skinned, like the Jews from first-century Israel were. And so Philip finds himself on this road down to a place called Gaza, and he encounters this Ethiopian eunuch. And God tells him to run, catch up to that chariot, speak to this man. So uh, Philip is in the chariot, and he's reading from the scriptures, and he's reading from the prophet Isaiah. Uh, and and th what he read was, uh, the passage which he was re reading was this. He was led, to the, to, led as a sheep to slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation, for his life is removed from the earth? And the eunuch answered Philip and said to him, Please tell me, uh, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or of someone else? And then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from the beginning of Scripture, he preached Jesus to him. And then as they were going down the road, the eunuch said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop, and he baptized him. And so uh, we see that the gospel spreads. It's not just for the Jew. Now it is for the Ethiopian as well, uh, to the Jew's amazement. And, and continuing then on further into Acts, as we go to chapter 10, and we see this story of uh, Peter and Cornelius. And what we see there is that not only is the gospel for the Jew, the gospel is also for the Gentile uh, to their great amazement. Uh, so in Acts chapter 10, remember the story about how Peter uh, was on uh, the roof of uh, Simon the Tanner's house and he had this vision uh, of a blanket coming down to him three times with all kinds of unclean foods on the blanket. And he says, I'll never eat this. And the Lord says, uh, don't call what, is, what God has made unclean. And so as that is happening, uh, Cornelius is sending uh, people to messengers to Peter to get him and bring him back to Cornelius because uh, the Lord wants Peter to preach to them. So uh, Peter uh, is now at his house. He's just had the vision, uh, and he says uh, to them after he's been brought back uh, with Cornelius, uh, with Cornelius's uh, friends. He's standing at the door of Cornelius's house, and he says to them, "You yourselves know how unlawful it is." for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner or to visit him. And yet God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. And so Peter is starting to get it that the gospel is for more than just the Jew. And after Cornelius told his story, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality, but in every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. And so Peter starts to speak the gospel uh, to these men, these Romans, these Gentiles, the hated Romans who were oppressing Israel. Uh, this is his audience. And while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who were listening to the message. And all circumcised believers who came with, with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. So we see the universality of the gospel. It is offered to everyone. And remember, Peter went back, uh, and he had to defend himself then to the Jews. The Jews said, wait, you went into a Gentile's house, and, and you preached the gospel to Gentiles? And Peter said, 
to them, as, the, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on him just as he did us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he used to say, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, if God gave to them the same gift as he gave to us also after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? And when they heard this, they quieted down and glorified God, saying, Well then, God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. And so we see the gospel is offered to everyone. There are no distinctions. It doesn't matter what color our skin is. It doesn't matter what country we are from. The gospel is offered universally to everyone. And we think about the Jews, how surprised they were at this, but this should not be a surprise to them. Uh, they trace their lineage back to Abraham, right? And when you look at Genesis chapter 12, uh, the call of Abraham, it's very clear that God intended to uh, bless all the nations through Abraham. Because when God called Abraham, he said, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing and I will bless all those who bless you and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. All the families, not just all the Jewish families, all the families. So the gospel is for everyone. And we need to understand this because God loves everyone. God created everyone in his own image. And so uh, when God sees what's going on in the world today, I really think it hurts his heart. And so uh, as we think about uh, how we can combat racism, there are some things that we have to remember. We have to remember, uh, first of all, uh, that we are all created in God's image uh, we read from Genesis 1 just a couple weeks ago, uh, and I'm going to read it again. Uh, God said, let us make man in our own image according to our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over everything that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created him. And we find that we are all descendants of this couple who was made in the image of God. God said, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so we are descended from that original couple made in God's image and everyone has been made in God's image. And uh, we are all from Acts chapter 17, verse 24, uh, just taking a look at that briefly, uh, God made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and boundaries of their habitation, that they would seek God, if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. So we have people living all over the globe, and yet God is available to each and every one of them because God loves each and every one of them. So we are all created in God's image. Next, salvation is available to all. Do you remember John chapter 4? Do you remember when uh, Jesus was going to see the Samaritan woman? Remember, he had left Judea, and he said, uh, leaving Judea, he had to go through Samaria. You know, the truth is, no matter where you're going, he was headed up to Galilee, you don't have to go through Samaria. 
it's a long way around Samaria, uh, not to go through Samaria, to get up to Galilee, but you don't have to go through Samaria. And in fact, the Jews typically, routinely, did not go through Samaria because they hated the Samaritans. Why did they hate the Samaritans? Well, the Samaritans were uh, half-breeds, that's what they called them, because the Samaritans were the result of the uh, Assyrian exile back in 722 BC when the northern tribes of Assyria came down uh, and they exiled the 10 northern tribes of Israel, brought them back to Assyria, and then the Jews uh, inbreeded with those, Samaritan, or with those Assyrians, and so now they're not Jewish, they're not Assyrian, they're kind of a, a hybrid, a half-breed. That's how the Jews viewed them, and so they hated them because they didn't maintain their purity. They worshipped other gods and they, they, uh, they, they contaminated themselves with Assyrian blood. But yet Jesus in John 4 has to go to Samaria to see this woman. So it's not a, a geographical necessity. Uh, he had a divine appointment with her and that's why he went to go see her. And so he comes to speak to this woman and the woman, uh, he says to the woman, give me a drink. And she says, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And of course, Jesus said, if you know who it was who was asking you for this drink, you would not uh, ask these things. You would, give, uh, you would ask and he would give you living water. And so they have this back and forth. Uh, and the woman says to, to uh, he, she, she turns the debate away from herself and her own history and talks about worshiping on this mountain or that mountain. Uh, the Jews uh, worship in one place, the, the uh, Samaritans worship in another place. And, and Jesus says to her, woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You will worship what you do, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And then the woman says this, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called the Christ, and when he comes, he will declare all things to us. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And so here he is offering himself to this Samaritan woman as her Messiah. And so the Samaritans are not off limits in any way. They are part of the gospel and part of who the gospel is available to. And if we need any further proof of that, uh, we could look at the parable of the Good Samaritan, and that's in Luke chapter 10. Do you remember uh, in Luke chapter 10 uh, that uh, the lawyer stood up and put Jesus to the test, and he said to, to Jesus, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? How does it read to you? And, and he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you have answered correctly. Right? He did answer correctly. Do this and you will live. But then, seeking to justify himself, uh, trying to make a big deal out of himself, he says, well, who is my neighbor? And this is where Jesus uh, gives this amazing parable Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers, and they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place, saw him and passed by on the other side. 
But a Samaritan, remember? Samaritans, they would have recoiled at this word. They would, have, they would have been shocked that Jesus would use this word and that it would be him who was on a journey, came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion and came to the wounded man and bandaged him, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, uh, use this, and if I owe you any more when I come back, I'll pay you. And so Jesus asked the question, which of these men was his neighbor? And the lawyer couldn't even bring himself to say the word Samaritan. He said, the one who took care of him. And Jesus said to him, go and do the same. We are to love our neighbors. Samaritans in that day, whatever other color of the person in front of us happens to be, whatever religion, whatever nationality, we are to love these people like Jesus loved these people. Everyone is our neighbor. So we're created in God's image. Salvation is offered to all. Jesus died to save everyone. Ephesians chapter 2. This is the part where Paul is talking about how Jesus Christ is building the church. And what, uh, what Paul says is he's speaking to Gentiles now, and he says, Therefore remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, uh, remember that you were at the same time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers and covenants to the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace who made the both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of the commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one man, thus establishing peace and reconciling them both in one body to God through the cross and by it having put the enmity to death. And so Jesus is reconciling. He's bringing people together uh, by the cross and by his work there. And uh, any time we have racism and bigotry, we are undoing what Christ did on the cross. He died so that people would be brought together, not so that they would be torn apart. Uh, you remember in Matthew chapter 28, when Jesus was giving the Great Commission, he said, Go therefore uh, and, and uh, teach the gospel to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I will be with you always to the end of the age. It's for all nations. So salvation is offered to all. Uh, Jesus died to save all men. And we know that there is neither Jew nor Greek in the eyes of God. Uh, Galatians chapter 3, 26 uh, tells us that. Paul, writing to these Galatians, he says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you were baptized in Christ Jesus, have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. So uh, we are not heirs of any particular race, except if we're believers in Christ, we are believers and all of the race of people who are saved uh, by faith. So there's neither Jew nor Greek. For us, 
skin color doesn't matter. Nationality, heritage does not matter. Uh, God loves us all. God shows no partiality. We've already seen that uh, in the book of Romans in chapter 2 where he says, there is no partiality with God for all who sinned without the law will also perish without the law and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. So again, no partiality, no difference. And remember when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus said, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and you love your neighbor as yourself. And if we're going to love our neighbor as ourselves, our neighbor, as we saw in the parable of the Good Samaritan, means everybody. Everybody is our neighbor. Even the most hated uh, class, the Samaritans to them, were included among their neighbors. Uh, and so there is nobody excluded from who Jesus calls our neighbors. And finally, when we get to heaven, we're going to see that there is absolutely no distinction. It's all going to bear itself out because if you look at Revelation chapter 7, what we see there is when we get to heaven, there is going to be such a variety of people there uh, that we are, we're just going to look around and say, wow, God loves diversity. He loves everyone. Uh, John writing saying, after these things I looked and behold, a great multitude which no one could count from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, and palm branches were in their hands, and they cry out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And won't that be an amazing thing as we stand before the Lord, every color of people, every tribe of men, uh, standing there together, arm in arm, looking at him, not looking at each other, looking at him, glorifying him, giving him glory and praise and honor. And our skin color, our nationality, our heritage will make no difference whatsoever. We'll be so uh, pleased and happy to be standing before the Lord. Well, the biblical case uh, for no, 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 uh, there should be no racism, and we should not look at each other. Uh, we should not see skin color when we look at each other. We should see uh, somebody who Jesus Christ died for. Uh, we are created in God's image. Salvation is offered to all. Um, Jesus died to save all men. There is neither Jew nor Greek, and there is no distinction in heaven. I came across uh, a great quote this morning as I was uh, preparing this, this message from Nelson Mandela, and he said, no one is born hating another person because of the color of his skin or his background or his religion. People must learn to hate, and if they can learn to hate, they can be taught to love. And I wonder about the truth of that statement. Uh, you know, I don't know. We're born sinners. We all know that. Uh, I don't know if we're born racists or if that is something that we learn, if, if people learn uh, racism uh, from society. Uh, I'm not sure, but the thing that we were talking about last week, starting in, in chapter 6 of Romans, we were talking about our sanctification. And the, our sanctification is the Holy Spirit working in us to make us more like Christ and us cooperating with the Holy Spirit so that we might become more like Christ. And if Nelson Mandela is right, we can be taught to learn how to love. And so uh, I was thinking, what are some things we can do? We, we know, we all in our hearts know that racism is wrong. Uh, and when we look at it, when we see it on, on the TV, when we see what's happening on the news, it should hurt our hearts. And we can stand up here and cite Bible verses all day uh, telling us that God knows uh, and we know that racism is wrong. But what can we do? Is there anything practical uh, that we can do? 
and I think the first thing that we can do is to examine our own hearts. We need to examine our own hearts. Uh, in, in Psalm 139, uh, you know this psalm well, uh, David said, Lord, examine me, search me, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. Now, none of us would say that we're racist, I'm sure. None of us would say that. Uh, but we have to examine ourselves. We have to ask the Holy Spirit to examine ourselves and see if there is anything in us, even a slight tinge of it anywhere. Uh, we have to acknowledge that our country is still Really, uh, we have not gotten over this racism at all. We, we, this dates back, of course, centuries to American slavery and, and uh, continued all the way uh, past the Civil War uh, into the Civil Rights Movement. And, and before the Civil Rights Movement, we had uh, the Jim Crow laws about uh, segregation. And then uh, you know, Rosa Parks wouldn't give up her seat on the bus. And we had Brown versus Board of Education. And we had Martin Luther King in the 60s. And that's 50 years ago. And still, we have this going on in our country. So uh, when does it stop? Uh, I don't know that it stops this side of heaven uh, because uh, we are, we're sinful creatures. But that doesn't mean we accept it. We, we acknowledge that, that racism is out there. And we have to examine ourselves. We have to examine ourselves and see if there's anything of it in us. And if there is, we have to resolve to do something about it. We have to say, it stops with me. It stops today. I will not harbor these feelings anymore. I will not look at somebody and think that they are less than myself because they happen to be of a different skin color or a different nationality. You know, Christians are very well known for opposing homosexuality, and we're very well known for opposing abortion, right? And these are things that, that uh, we think we stand up for because the Bible says we should stand up for those things. But where are we on racism? We should be known for being as strong against racism as we are for any other Christian doctrine or any other moral code that's out there that people want to do. And we want to say, hey, that's non-Christian. Well, Let's be the first to stand up and say that racism is non-Christian too, and God hates racism. So speak up against it. If you hear it, don't let that just, you know, don't, don't let it sweep under the carpet. If we're going to do something about it, we have to stand up. We have to say something about it. We have to speak up against it. We have to uh, not allow that comment to go by. We have to say, hey, we don't talk like that. We don't believe that about people. People are created in God's image, and, and God loves them, and we need to love them too. And, and we don't think less of them just because they happen to be a different color. So speak up against it. And for us, uh, most of us have kids. Many of us have grandkids. Uh, we have to teach our grandkids. We have to pour into our kids. We have to tell them that this is wrong, that this is not how we are supposed to look at each other. Uh, you know, I think went back to when, when my kids were little, uh, they never came home and said, you know, there, there, there was this uh, African-American kid, there was this Asian kid. They just said there was this kid. And so somewhere along the line, uh, it happens as, as we get older that we begin to notice differences in people, but, but differences don't equal inequality. We're just different. Uh, that doesn't make us better or worse. It just makes us different. And that's good because God is all about differences and distinctions. He loves variety. And so it doesn't make anybody worse or better. So we need to pour into our kids and grandkids. We need to combat it at that level because if, if the next generation is going to come up and make a difference, they have to know right from wrong. We have to be agents 
of reconciliation. Uh, 2 Corinthians uh, talks about being agents of reconciliation. Uh, in chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians, it says this, God was in Christ reconciling himself to the world, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed us to this word of reconciliation. And therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Now, that is uh, talking about believers being reconciled to God, but we are to be ambassadors to, of reconciliation to each other as well. And so uh, there should be no division, even across racial lines. Uh, remember when we studied the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus told us to be peacemakers. Remember Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, he said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the ones who will see the kingdom of God. And, and who is it that makes peace? Uh, we make peace not only uh, uh, with people who look just like us. Uh, we make peace with everybody because we are all children of God. We need to be peacemakers. We need to be more socially aware. We need to look for opportunities to have these kinds of conversations. Uh, we need to not pretend, or we need to pre not, not pretend that, 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 that racism doesn't exist. We have to know that it exists, and we have to be willing to engage in conversation about it. And we have to pray for the end of racism. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. There is absolutely nothing in ourselves that can make this happen, right? We can do these things by the power of the Holy Spirit, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can, I don't know if we can end racism, but we can, we can move it in the right direction. We can stem the tide. We can start uh, making a difference in our world. And uh, as, again, as we're saying, this is Pentecost Sunday. The Holy Spirit has come. We're talking about sanctification in Romans. All of this has to do with God doing a work in us so that we might see his people as he sees his people. Billy Graham said, the closer the people of all races get to Christ and his cross, the closer they will get to one another. And that's true, you know, when you're looking up at the cross and you're standing next to people of different colors, you don't see them, you don't see their color, you don't see that they're different. You're all standing there and you're worshiping the one God who gives us life, and that's what God wants for us. Brothers and sisters, sin is the problem. Jesus Christ is the answer to the problem of sin, and that sin includes racism. Jesus died for every single one of us. No Christian can harbor hate or think that they're better than anyone else. When Christ had to die for each and every one of us, he had to die for my sin. He had to die for everybody else's sin. How would I stand there and say I'm better than this person when Christ literally died for my sin? That's how bad a person I am. How is it that I could say something like that? We have to do what we can to end racism. And if it doesn't start in the church, well, I think we've not done our job as Christians. God hates racism. Uh, God gave us the Holy Spirit to live inside of us, to give us the power to do something about it. So as Christians, let's acknowledge the problem. Let's not be part of it. And let's resolve to do something to be part of the solution. I pray for our country. Our country is a mess right now. If you watch the news for five minutes, it breaks your heart to watch what is going on. And we need, as the church, to be part of the reconciliation process. Uh, God wants us to be. So ask yourself, what can I do to help? 
and let's figure it out. Let, let's see how we can help uh, be a part of the solution to the problem of racism. Lord God, we know as you watch what's going on in this nation that your heart hurts. Lord, it is heartbreaking to watch what is happening as, as people are at war with each other, Lord, and the devil is just having a heyday right now. And Lord, he loves it when we hate each other, and he loves it when we tear each other down, and he loves it when his seeds are being sown in the world and causing chaos and disruption and taking focus off of you, Lord, or even casting shadows on your name. Lord, I pray that by the Holy Spirit that we would be part of the problem or the solution to this problem, Lord, that, that there would be something that we could do, that we would look for opportunities, Lord, that we would be agents of healing, agents of reconciliation. Lord, that, that this problem we would acknowledge, Lord, that we would do something to deal with it. And Lord, I pray that your son would come again soon. Lord, we just lift him up in your precious name. Amen.